0: And good morning, everybody. Hope everybody is having a wonderful Saturday morning. You are at the D&D show on uh, Sir Lucian's channel here. As you can tell, we're down a host at the moment, so you're going to get 100% of Sir Lucian, although Jordan should be back in our next episode um, wasn't able to make it today, but we're going to go ahead and soldier through. I had a couple of ideas that we could do here on our Saturday morning Dungeons & Dragons show that I thought maybe I could uh, put a picture of him down in the bottom corner and I could do like his voice about, you know, oh, Lucian, you're, you're the greatest GM ever. And then I thought, no, that's a little corny. So I said, no, nah, let's don't mess with the uh, kind of the recipe that we have. Let's just stick to what we've been doing. So we're going to jump right in. And we're going to talk about what did we do in Dungeons and Dragons for the week. And here is the crazy part. I actually played no Dungeons and Dragons today, or this week. It was weird. The way the schedules worked out is uh, our Monday night is on break, and I decided to just run reruns um, for the Monday night show. Our Tuesday night got rescheduled, which is our Adventure League game. Um, Our Wednesday night, uh, we were going to play, but again, had a player need to reschedule, so it got pushed to this upcoming week, which is our Crips of Kellumvor game. And then the Thursday night game, this is the week, there's one week of the month that uh, a couple of our players can't make, so we we do all Thursdays but one, and that happened to be this one. And then we did nothing on Friday. Here we are on Saturday morning, the only show I've done with Dungeons & Dragons. So it's really weird to have gone through a week without playing, especially with my schedule lately. And I've been sitting back and I've been kind of posting to all the players and the different people all week about how crazy that when I didn't get to play for a week, how creative my mind started to get. It's like, I almost want to think of it's my, my brain wants to play Dungeons and Dragons. And if I'm not playing it, it wants to stay thinking about it. So I had ideas for new campaigns. I had ideas for, other games to play. I had ideas for YouTube videos to make. I had ideas for streaming. I had ideas for characters I wanted to generate. It was crazy creative to have this break of, I'm not doing anything right in the middle of what's been going on, which is cool. So I wanted to kind of highlight the idea. Something that I think everybody can learn from is that sometimes having a break, a structured break allows you your creativity to recharge and, and come back to the forefront. You know, don't underestimate um, the power of giving yourself a break in your schedule from running your game or playing in the whole bunch of games that you've been playing in. So what are we going to talk about then today, right? This whole show, this Saturday morning show is about what we do in Dungeons and Dragons. Well, there were still some things that I think we can go over and there's a lot of stuff that we can still talk about. And I can kind of recap a little bit about the weekend. So last weekend, uh, I was at Marmalade Dog, which is the gaming convention for Kalamazoo over at Western Michigan University. And it was fun. It was three days. Um, I met some friends over there that are part of the show and have been in some of the um, games that we've done so there's some people here and it was fun i ran a game for strangers which was nice i ran a mass game and that went really well we talked about that in the last saturday show and then i went back and we played some more games and board games and rpg games and battle tech games and all kinds of stuff so it was a really fun small convention to get out meet some new people play some games have some fun get a t-shirt for running a game and then get recharged for the rest of the season. It was kind of for me, it was a nice little dry run, a nice little practice run for upcoming Gen Con, because again at Gen Con I'm going to be running games, and I like to just kind of be ready for that um, that experience. And anytime I can find more gaming, I want to definitely jump into it. So it was really fun to go to a small convention and, and enjoy that. And um, there are many small conventions that you can find throughout the country. So wherever you're at, wherever you um, wherever you live, you might look into some of the smaller conventions before you go to the big conventions um, so that you can have that same experience. You can meet new people that are in the hobby. You'll probably meet some that are near you. You'll meet some people that are online. You'll just meet some people you'll never see again. But usually the people that are going to those are just like you, and they're very, um, I want to say like endearing, or they're very um, supportive of the hobby. They all want to play games, just like you want to play games. So it's nice to meet more people. And not only to just meet more people, um, where you can kind of do that anywhere, but you like the whole room of people are exactly like your kind of person, you know, the person that wants to go find games and, and to be social gaming, If they go to a convention like that so it's pretty cool i see cyberwolf put a question in so yeah today's session is uh gonna be great for uh community interaction because we can i can just sit here and look at chat i can answer questions as i go and uh jordan uh will have to sit back and and hope to maybe put some comments in in the youtube uh, area and he can answer some of that stuff there if he if he chooses. Uh, where does your inspiration tend to come from in your D and D dry weeks? It was interesting that my brain switched to everything I watched, everything I was reading, every just walking in a park. My brain began to wander and then started saying what can i do in dungeons and dragons or rpgs so i was watching several shows there was a couple netflix shows i was watching and my brain would immediately go to how could i make this a dd adventure or how could i use this against my players or how could i make a whole campaign based on this one thing um i was watching a couple of anime shows that i saw that i thought again here's here's something i could do that would be pretty fun and even modern shows uh, anything can be storylines different ways or different characters that kind of jump out to you and i was reading um I, got, I finished one of my books which was like a book about uh it's actually a dnd book almost it's about uh players that get trapped in the D world it's kind of funny type thing and then i started my uh second reading of matt colville's second book um thief and again All that stuff just generates all kinds of ideas for you to do in your campaigns. But what's interesting is you could just be sitting. I could be driving somewhere. I could be uh, taking my dog to the park. I could be just out walking and something will hit you because all of a sudden your brain is freed up from the worry of keeping your schedule, keeping things on track. I've got two games I've got to run. I've got to think about my character to level up. All that stuff is my normal. My brain is all thinking about that, whereas when I had a free week and I knew I had a free week, like I knew it early on. I knew from Monday right away, oh, I'm gonna have a whole week off of no games. This is gonna be great. And I just let myself have it. Like I didn't try to scramble and schedule more things. I said, you know what, let's just roll with it. Let's just keep that week off and see what happens. And it was really good to have um, that creativity recharge and I'm ready for the next week coming up. So I was really good. I see a grip of the green has joined. Hey, how's it going? Uh, designing dungeons any tips with puzzles in a dungeon now there are lots of great um, resources that I found when it's talking about puzzles or non-combat challenges I know Jordan loves to talk about um, skill challenges and um, basically like um, compound challenges or things that where there's a couple of different things going on that has nothing to do with combat and those are all pretty good um, and there's lots of them out there but as far as designing my own dungeon for me it's about this is gonna sound weird realism right well realism in a game where we throw fireballs at each other and orcs batter down the the, the doors but what I mean is, for me, I like to have a reason why something is a dungeon. I'll give you an example. Um, I wanted to run a dungeon in my Thursday night game. And I set the map up and I built the map online from, you know, one of the, the generators and one of the random generators. I think it was Don Johns at that point. And I'm looking at the map and it has several rooms, which is what I want. I have about four rooms. I wanted to keep it nice and simple. But then I'm looking at it and I'm like, my mind, I spent a day well, I probably spent 10 minutes making the map, maybe uh, 20 to 30 minutes setting up all the dynamic lighting, putting the tokens in that I wanted in my World 20 game. And then I spent two days before the game started trying to think of why is this here? Why would it be in the shape that it is? Why is it going to make sense to players when they get there? And what's funny about that is, is in my mind, I have to make the dungeon make sense, right? Because... Fun house dungeons, which are fun and which is where the hobby came from, was this weird um, conglomeration of you go to this room and there's orcs in this room and then you go down a hallway and you split left. Hey, you fight some ogres over there, but if you go right, you you fight a slime and then you go further and then, oh, now you're in a trap room and then behind that is like there's some vampires and then behind that is like a carry-on crawler or something. Like all these different things that are just being thrown at you. And it's fun because in some ways you're just throwing really cool creatures at at your players and they get to fight all these fantastical things. But you're not really coming up with any reasons why all of that is in the same area, right? So I looked at my dungeon and I was like, for me, my brain always goes to how is this there? So I I put, I described a set of temple ruins on the top with a uh, entrance to the bottom. And it had the five rooms down there. In the first two rooms, I had antagonists from my main storyline that were there. And they they have been going around destroying temples, right? So this is the remnants that stay there to make sure nobody comes back and fixes the temples. And they engage the party. And then I had something else in there, which was a carry-on crawler, in fact, uh, two carry-on crawlers. And I placed a hole in the ceiling that allowed them to get outside and inside and for them to um, be able to fight that and the other things that they fought had a barricade set up so that that thing couldn't get to them right so there was this sense of realism for me as why this thing exists why it's still there and why there are still things there and why are my players now finding these things so for me if i'm going to build a dungeon that's what i'm going to do if you're talking about like a a mega dungeon um, then you got to put in some more reasons Uh, i'll give you another example one of the campaigns i ran which was a Numenera campaign, but I wanted it to be me- medieval. So I only let them play characters that really fit the medieval mold. And they, I wanted to do an upside-down mega dungeon. So it was basically uh, the way the legend went. And again, here I'm trying to put realism in it. They call it the Spike, right? And they call it the Spike because a top of a, a whole mountain was sheared off, came up in the sky, upside down, came down, landed near this town, and is set in the ground. At the very top of this, which is the base of the mountain now, there's an entrance that goes in, and that's how the dungeon starts. This big, wide-open layer, and then it goes further down, further down, further down, further down, filled with creatures. Mm -hmm. So in that, what I wanted to do is I wanted to shut my phone off. That's the big thing. Um, What I wanted to do was, why would there be weird creatures in here, right? Because it's a big mega dungeon. I want them exploring caves and rooms and all kinds of different things. But how's that going to work? So here's what I did in that one. In this one, I said that the power, the evil power that's within this mountain was represented by lots of crystals and things that were set in the walls. And they, they kind of radiated kind of like an eerie power. And then as the players would disturb this area, they would go down in and investigate. These crystals would fall down. They would turn into some type of creature. It's something that I wanted them to fight. And they would fight it. And when they were done, the thing would burst back into a crystal and they could take that crystal, take it back to town. They could sell it. They could use it to make magic items. They could do stuff. And so this gave me this way to do a menagerie of creatures without having to explain why does a displacer beast in this room not fight the goblins in this room, right? You know, why, why is that happening? So a little bit like that. Yeah, I see Indoor Adventurer joined in too. So those are all good questions. Yeah, that's going to help this session go by quick. <laughs> so that would be my answer to those. That was pretty good. Um, you guys can going to get tired of hearing Lucian talk here pretty quick. So back to recap a little bit. Find small conventions near you go to them support them meet some new players uh, have fun at those things jump into a game even though maybe it's a game you wanted to play and you'd never played before i i find conventions to be great for this like i ran a mass game knowing, Mass, the new generation, a new generation, knowing that most of the players that were going to sign up for it had never played Mass before. And that's cool because I wanted to introduce them to this really fun, cool superhero game. And I think that's a good way for you. If you've seen something that you haven't played yet, but you want to get a chance to try it out, convention games are really good about teaching you the basics of it, getting you into it, and just telling you what this game is about to see if it's going to be something that you would like to do. Um... Yeah, let's talk about Racky a little bit, too. Yeah, so that was another thing I was going to get to. <laughs> so we had fun with Marmalade Dog. Oh, let me also say this is our first episode, our first session of the April month. So we're on our fourth month now. Um, we've been going since January, which is awesome for the show. And on the first week, the first show of every month, I always put in now a new um Uh, chance for any brand new subscriber for this show I'm going to contact you and if you want to play in a one-shot that I DM and I'll gather some players together uh, you can go ahead and do that and I'll be contacting you so I I think Cyberwolf just did it because he wants to play in a game it sounds like which is really cool because Indoor Adventure did it last month and he's gotten three sessions from CryptoKelenvor and I think he's having a fantastic time in that game um, and he got that because he became a subscriber of the channel. So I want to thank all the subscribers that support us. And it just goes into us being able to do more content. We're going to be able to, you know, purchase better cameras and microphones. It's going to help me and Jordan go to conventions and get to Gen Con to meet fans. It's going to be to help buy materials that we can review as far as like, you know, Morgan, Morgan Canyon's Tome of Foes is coming up and all that stuff. We just put right back into the channel to help make this a really good show. So it's great to see everybody here. Um, I did want to point out also, and what we're going to come back, we're going to jump back to this Racky thing because I do have that in my notes. We're going to come right back to that Cyberwolf. Um, I did want to point out that although Jordan is not here today, he did give you, he did prepare for you guys two videos this week. So there is his um, continued look at the gods or the deities of Forgotten Realms. He did Char and Sylvanus this week, and he put out a second video just a couple days ago that talks about the currency of Forgotten Realms. So if you haven't checked that out yet, jump over to Jordan's channel after the show and check out his two videos that he just put up because they were really good. And I really liked the char Sylvanus one. I re- that was a really cool... Video deity that I'm thinking about how can I incorporate that into my game? Um, and the currency was really fun. It was cool to, to, to get an understanding if sometimes we play a lot of these games and we don't think about currency more than, hey, you guys got some gold pieces, you got some silver pieces, and we move on. But this gives you a chance to really dive into thinking about how that might work and some of the politics and economics that go in behind it. So it's pretty cool. Um, Also, uh, yeah, video on currency was good. The, yep, Indoor Adventure is going to post a link for us, which is awesome. And, oh, I see Agrippa is asking another question. How do you feel about homebrew rules in DD? Do you homebrew rules in your own game? Absolutely, yes. Um, I have one game that is very homebrewed, um, which is my kind of West Marches style game on my Thursday night. And it has a lot of new mechanics in it. It has a lot of new things I'm trying. In fact, when I talked to the players of that game, I mentioned to them, I wanna try some new mechanics. I wanna try some new stuff. Um, and they, they were good with that because I brought it up in front. Um, As my Storm King's Thunder campaign, we typically leave it, run it as is, is typically the rule that I put in there, though we have homebrewed one thing in there, which was the mounted combat rules, because we wanted mounted combat to be a little more exciting for our paladin, and so we we did a few more mounted combat rules to make that more fun. But for the most part my Storm King's Thunder is an as it is game. And when we started that game, I kind of we we me and the players talked about that and we said that's what we want to run. We want this game to be about running a Wizards of the Coast module from start to finish. We're going to run it as D&D 5e. We're not going to add a lot of extra new stuff in it and we're just it's going to be a very good example of what D&D 5e is out of Wizards of the Coast material, right? Nothing else added in. Um, and so I think if you're telling your players or you're working with your players to say this is what I would like to run What do you guys think? Are you on board? Is this the type of thing you want to play and you get the player player buy-in in the beginning? Then absolutely you can homebrew rules or you can say no homebrew rules You can say hey I just want to play it as is let's see how the game is gonna play before we start trying to change everything or fix things You know as, as a lot of people will try to do so I think that's pretty good So So check out Jordan's videos. Um, I also did on Sunday evening after the convention, I had a great interview video with CJ from Don't Stop Thinking. Um, He is an Australian YouTuber who does a lot of Dungeons & Dragons stuff, very creative person. And he was on our show. We did a great uh, Standard Array show on Sunday night and had a really fun interview with him. And... Again, if you haven't checked out his channel, you should go out and check it out. He does a really good job. He just put out a new video this week, which I think at this point is probably the best you're going to play and run D&D for the very first time as a DM. You've never played RPGs before, or you've never played, you know, in years. You don't remember the rules. You don't remember anything, He's got a brand new video series about being a brand new DM and running Dungeons & Dragons, though you can use the same concepts for just about any game. And he does it in a colorful, artistic way that makes it very easy for somebody brand new to the game to ingest. And I think it's probably the best starter video I've ever seen as far as you want to get started and you don't know anything yet. You've just bought your player's handbook or you've just bought your Dungeons Master Guide or whatever and you finally got your players together and you've talked them all into it and they're all new to it. You're new to it. You're super excited because of everything you've been seeing. Go check that out. That'll help you run your game. So I just want to put that out there also. And then I wanted to get to, well, if we didn't do a lot in... Uh, Dungeons and Dragons. What happened in the hobby while the week kind of went on? Just a couple of things that we like to keep track of. And I did see a video. We we talk about Matt Coville all the time because he came on. He did a great interview with us. He's mine and Jordan's inspiration for doing a lot of um, DM style help videos. And he put out a video. He's over at PAX East this weekend, but he put out a quick video. I think it was this morning or maybe late last night that talked about what do you think about GMs rolling stealth for their players? And I thought he's got a good conversation going on over there about that. And it was a good one of those kind of video food for thought things to think about the pros and cons of the GM rolling something for a player versus letting the player roll it. Out in the open type thing. Great conversation about how to handle your stealth checks or when you should or why you should or, or uh, why you would not want them to do it or not want them to see what the results was. And I liked what he said in there, um, even towards the end of the video, he's, he's like, I've been a GM for a very long time. And yet I'm still learning or I'm still trying things out. And I feel like that for myself, too. I've now probably on my second year, almost my third year of DMing, and I still feel like every single game I run, every single new idea I come up with, I'm trying out something different. I'm trying to um, work something new in and I'm learning stuff. I'm still learning stuff from watching other people play, other people present games and taking those little pieces in. So I think that's really cool. Um, so check that video out. Uh, as far as Wizards of the Coast, we saw some pretty standard videos this, this week from them. Um, I think mostly it's because they're in the last push for Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes. They're getting ready for that release coming up. There's a lot of conventions going on at the moment that are taking a lot of their player, their people, um, you know, that are going out and doing their talks and getting invited to those things like GaryCon happened and now PAX East happened and some of those other things. But, I did want to point out a couple things and I'll get back to some of the questions in, in chat. Um, Mike Merles is still doing a series on class design. So if you want to know why something is happening in a D&D 5E class, why would they ever come up with that idea? Or why would they go that route? Watching that series that Mike Merles put on, which he calls it the Happy Fun Hour, is a fantastic insight into their thinking of how they're creating classes. He, he puts in so many things about um, why we need to keep this in mind when we design this piece or why we won't do this or why we try to encourage this or why we try to add things like this. It really shows you how they look at the balance of the game, how they look at the keeping the lore of the game relevant, how, how to make sure the mechanics are good but not overpowered or underpowered, how to match it up with things that already exist All that stuff in there is really good. If you watch through that series, it's a fantastic series. If you're interested in how classes are designed and if you're going to design your own class for a campaign, I highly recommend you watch that so that you have a good idea that your your mind is kind of set in the same way that they think of things, too. And you'll be able to anticipate that as you build your class, which would be pretty cool. It's something I have on my list for 2018, I wanna build one of my own classes and I'm gonna use a lot that I'm learning from that video. And I think that class that I build, I'm gonna put up on uh, DriveThruRPG when I get it done so that everybody can get a chance at it. It'll be free or one of those, you know, pay if you if you feel like it, but it's free if you just want it type thing. Um, Cause that's one of my goals for 2018 is to, to get that up there. I wanted to point out too, I watched, um, I watch a lot of different live plays. Um, And I know that's not everybody's ball of wax. I know sometimes it's hard to watch other people play Dungeons & Dragons. Like, it's fun to play yourself, but maybe watching other people play, you might not get into it as much. Uh, I do it because I love to watch the interaction between the GM and the DM and the players and how they present their game and how they keep pacing and how they do different things. And I like to learn a lot from that. And I also get caught up in the cool characters and, and people playing their characters and really getting into them. So the one I liked from Wizards of the Coast this week that really stood out to me was Dice Camera Action. They did a session that was basically like the evil clone session. So I think it was because maybe one of their players, maybe a part in their storyline, it's like I'm not keeping up you know, in their timeline, so I can't tell you why it happened, but it felt like maybe one of their players, um, something happened in their storyline that they needed to break from the main storyline for a reason. Okay, And to do that, uh, Chris Perkins put in this nice little, okay, well, that happened, but let's move the camera over and talk about these three evil clones of the characters that happened to be over in, uh, uh, in Cholt doing something. And they played a whole session based on basically their evil clones. And I thought, oh, that's such a good idea that maybe sometimes if you're going to have a player gone or... You know that you're gonna have some of your players, but not all of them. And you need to have a filler episode that's not really gonna affect the main storyline. An evil clone or an evil character, or like a little, uh, a little tidbit, a little one shot that fits in that space is really cool to let your players just relax, have fun, really roll with it before you get back to your main storyline. So I thought that was really cool. You could check that out for their Dice Camera Action uh, game. As far as lore you should know videos that came out this week they talked about star spawn gif and Archdevils. devils um, those are all really cool things i hadn't heard of star spawn before so they, they did a nice little segment on what star spawn is how it was used in other editions and now how they're going to use it in fifth edition the morden canons tome of foes stuff um, so that was pretty cool if you're into the lore like i am i'm huge into the lore and if you're here in this channel you're probably into forgotten realms lore so that's another good one to To take a look at and then the last thing I'll mention as far as news was they're still running right now which is basically like a battle royal of monsters almost like a battle arena of creatures from Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes and they're using different people at Wizards of the Coast to play those things and then fight each other which is an interesting thing because in in I've seen some other shows, and I've, I know some of us as GMs and DMs have done this, where maybe instead of running a full adventure, you wanted to run almost like a, a battle arena. You know, it's just like face two people off, PVP it out, and just see what happens. So every now and then, probably not something I'd want to play every single week, but maybe something fun to do. And they're kind of doing it like a bracket style, I think. So kind of led into March Madness a little bit, led into this new book coming out, um, so it was kind of a cool idea. It might be something I try next March is to maybe get some people together to do kind of a one-on-one fight bracket thing, maybe for the whole month of March. That might be fun to see how that could go. So keep an eye out on something like that. So that's the news I found around Dungeons and Dragons that I thought was interesting. I think what we can do is we can finish up the rest of the show with some questions. I'm going to jump back up because I know Cyberwolf asked about Racky, which I want to talk about a little bit. Um... Racky is my barbarian that I'm playing in Adventures League over on Onaris' Twitch channel. He's running a really fun um, Tomb of Annihilation Adventure League game. I'm playing over there with Nomadic and I'm playing with PB Plays inside and, and me. And I have this character which is a barbarian, human barbarian variant. Variant. I went two weapon, dual wield, and I was just I spent maybe two hours last night number crunching um, because I want to see how effective it is, and don't get me wrong, I don't feel like you always have to play an optimal character, or you always have to find the most optimal choice, but this character, I was really set on this idea of a two-weapon-wielding fighter, badass kind of guy, who somehow could work lightning into it, right? So this idea of being a Storm Barbarian, and, and my idea was to move into the Storm Herald area of Barbarian, so I took Dew-Wield Feet so that I could could hit twice, and I could use two long swords, which is what I wanted to do. Eventually, I need to buy another long sword in the game, but I'm going to use two long swords. I'm going to be able to use my bonus action to hit with that, and I was going to use Storm Herald to add, like, lightning damage that comes off of him, but once I read through that a little bit more, I realized that to do the Storm Herald, I have to use my bonus action to get that lightning damage that I want, and if I use the bonus action to get my lightning damage, which is cool thematically and is a nice 1d6 add-in that I can do every round, I can't use my bonus action to do my offhand attack. So that kind of throws out, well, why take dual wield then? Why not just have a big weapon or just a single weapon and a shield or something and do that? So after agonizing about it, what I've done is I've modified my, my route, and I'm actually going to go um, Barbarian Zealot, okay, Path of the Zealot, and my damage that's going to be added to my attack my first attack in a round is divine uh, damage i'm going to say it's coming from a god of storms so that it's divine radiant magic but it still looks like lightning so i think i can still get the effect that i want still keep the reason i'm using dual wield and add that in so that was a really cool idea to um for a character and i almost thought about in this session i was going to bring up the character sheet and run you guys through what I was thinking and and theory it, but maybe I'll save that for an actual video at some point. Um, so hopefully that answers the Racky question. I can't wait to play next week, Tuesday. I hope everybody's schedule works out because I really want, he just hit third level, which is why I had to make the choice. Um, so third level barbarian human, and I'm having a ton of fun playing him so far. Um, let's see, somebody will put links in. I am sure. Let's go back up, we saw some more questions here. Uh, Video on currency was real neat, I agree. They'll post some links. Uh, Do you use crafting in any of your campaigns? How do you go about crafting rules wise in 5e? Any tips on crafting in general? I have one campaign where I'm letting the characters craft things. I'm letting them do that in the downtime session, um, which we talked about in our last Saturday morning show. And I used a lot of Xanathar's uh, Guide to Everything. I used a lot of the new downtime activity stuff they ex- described in there, and I used the Dungeon Master's Guide. I keep pointing to things because my books are in different areas. Um, they had some stuff about downtime and crafting and making things. So. I wanted to, in the first time I've let it in my campaign, I wanted to play it with the way the rules were written first, and then I'll probably go back and say, is there a different way I want to do it, or is there things I can add to it, or is there things I want to modify? But I always like to play the rule as is first to get a really good idea of what it's supposed to do before I just come in and say, hey, I'm going to read this and I'm just going to change it. I'm going to take a drink of water real quick. See, the difference is when you don't have a host, I have to talk the whole time. Then your voice gets going. So this is just like playing a game where they, the players just sit back and they just listen to the DM describe everything. Uh, this is that same thing. Make sure you have water or some type of drink near you. Um, all right, good question. Agrippa's is asking lots of good questions today. Uh, Indoor Adventure asked, if you have an NPC that has an item that causes player checks on things like perception of disadvantage, but you want to keep them secret, how can you get your players to give both numbers without giving away the secret? Yeah, you got to be a little careful. The idea I, I struggled with this in my campaigns, the idea that I want to ask them. Let's say they're in a room and I know something's hidden there and I want them to roll perception to see if they see it. Right. So I say, hey, everybody roll perception. They all roll low. And then I go, oh. Oh, OK, so just keep exploring the room. But now they know they know something's there because you wouldn't have asked them for a perception check if that would have happened. So I've been struggling with a little bit of that. Um, By rules, you should just let them, you know, they they make the thing. They don't see it. They know there's something going on. Maybe they continue to look for it, but you just make it clear that, nope, you didn't make your roll. Or you let them make a second roll to see if they can find that and thing. Or something Matt said in his video uh, this morning was, if you don't like the result of everybody failing the roll, then should you have made them roll in the first place, right? Maybe instead of doing that, you should, if if you want them to find it, right? You do not like the idea that, oh, I put the secret thing here and nobody found it because they all rolled super low, then maybe don't have them roll for it. Maybe have that come out narratively. Maybe have it come out with searching, maybe have it come out with clues that you lead them on, and then they find it without rolls. Or one of the other thing I've been doing also is with passive perceptions. um, I use their passive perception instead of letting them roll perception now. And the only time I let them roll perception is if they're actively investigating, right? They're actually picking stuff up and moving it then I'll say, go ahead and roll perception to see what you find. But if you're just walking in a room and if you're gonna notice something, I'm only using their passive perception right now. And I I keep it to myself so that I can know when to tell them something's up and lead them on or be like, nope, I guess they're not gonna find that secret door because nobody's really looking for it or their passive perception wasn't high enough to actually get it. Um, So it's tricky, just depends what you wanna do with your campaign. Yeah, cloak of elven kind, yep. been waiting to build out the College of Culinary Arts for a bard. That could be pretty fun. That sounds pretty cool. I see some links in there, which is good. I like live plays too. Um, oh, indoors telling us that the clones were unintentional results of what Strix did. Yeah, it sounded like she had been doing something with a witch's coven. Um, they had given her something. So they required her to give something back and she gave them pieces of the party and some, like probably hair or something. And then those witches did something with that. and then we finally got to see what they did with it, which was pretty fun. Um, leveling abilities by numbers versus leveling by flavor is always hard. I see Jordan jumped in just to say something. Uh, <laughs> sorry, couldn't make it this week. Uh, family emergency, everyone's fine, but I'm just just not home. I'll be back next week. Great show. Thanks, Jordan. He's probably just watching. him, you know, um, we're pulling for him. Uh, I'm sure he'll he'll talk about what he wants to talk about in our next episode. If he does, um, you know, sometimes when you're on Twitch or you're doing YouTube stuff, there is still some things you just keep and you just like, hey, this is part, you know, not part of this stuff. So we'll see what he has to say when he comes back. It's great that he jumped into the channel. Um, it was pretty fun. So those look like the questions. I think we're right about up to our 30 minutes, or a little bit over. So, I just wanted to say thank you for everybody joining. Sorry, Jordan wasn't here. I did put the logo down in the uh, bottom right corner for me hopefully it's the bottom right corner for you guys too that was something created by jordan that i think was really cool and i think i'm pushing maybe you guys can send him a few messages here and there too we're thinking that that might be part of maybe a t-shirt design that we do coming up so hopefully maybe that's something that uh, we can offer to people and i want to have one that i can wear to gen con so i'm hoping we come up with something Uh, any tips on reskinning monsters i do this all the time and It's all about narrative. I go and find a stat block in Dungeons & Dragons, if that's what we're talking about, um, a stat block that I like that has just enough hit points to make it interesting for the level of characters, um, maybe a cool ability or two that I think I like, and then I just narratively redefine it to say, okay, this really was a stat block for an ogre, but now I'm going to use it for this raging zombie creature, right? And that gives you the ability to not have to really redesign or think about the math or think about, is this balanced? What CR level should it be? What XP value should it be? All that's already done for you. You're just changing the look of it, right? It's the same thing when I do characters. Sometimes when I build a character and I say, I want to make Thor in Dungeons and Dragons. I'm not going to make up all new abilities. What I'm going to do is I'm going to find the structure within the game. And I'm going to say, I'm just going to tone the abilities that are already there And make them thematically seem like Thor stuff, even though I'm not redesigning all of that. Or Black, I was going to do a video, I'm still probably going to do a video on how to play Black Panther in Dungeons & Dragons. Or how to play, you know, some of the different Marvel characters. Uh, Jordan did one that was about Iron Man in Dungeons & Dragons, which was really the same thing. You can do that by just saying that, um, let's say I'm a wizard And I'll give you an example. I had Ward is a a war wizard, a war mage that I did. And what I wanted to do is I wanted his mage armor to be a little different than other people. So same spell, same stats, works the same way. So the GM didn't have to think about anything different. But when I described how the mage armor looked, instead of it being a shield around my um, character, what I wanted it to be was like these plates of armor that kind of jutted out and were physical things, but here's the fun thing. I knew that my armor class wouldn't be great, so I needed a way for the reason that you still might get hit. So in my description of it, it's only the armor is only on his shoulder and one arm, and he tries to use that to block any incoming blows, but sometimes he's not quick enough with the arm that it goes through and it hits him in the body. So just thematically describing something different can give you the same thing without having to say, I need to develop a new spell that's called, um, you know, Mage Arm or Armored Hand or whatever it is. I don't have to think about all that. All I got to do is thematically think of a way to describe a spell. Another way will be people, a lot of people will um, describe their firebolt differently, right? Some want it to be like an anime. Some want it to be a, a, a winding bolt of fire. Some people want it to look like, I did one where it looked like a hawk that went through. So whenever you threw it, it was in the shape of a hawk when it tried to hit somebody. So it's all just about thematically changing it without having to actually create anything. So reskinning's easy. You just have to think about it narratively, how you want it to look. What do you want to make it sound like? All right. Um, yeah. Indor is talking about a hex blade where you use armor invocation. You could have armor that looks like magical girl anime transform. Yeah, I'll, definitely. That's exactly what I was doing. And in fact, I used mage armor to be this this plate armor that came up. And if, it, if he ever got higher level or the AC got better, what I said was <clears throat> is that his second arm also armored up. He still had a torso, still had his body, his legs and stuff were exposed, but then he had two arms. And then for the shield spell, what I did is when he cast a shield spell, there was a little floating disc that stayed near him. Did nothing in the game wasn't even really a real thing, except when he fired off the shield spell so that it jumped his AC up by plus five, that shield thing would move into the way of an attack. And so it was a way to make this war mage in my head this really cool almost mechanically, almost crawl like, almost um the idea of organic armor, you know, something floating around that could be seen and then would dart in the way of a shot. And Still, just using the regular spells, so reskinning them in such a way. So, that's really cool. So, all right, I think we had a pretty good show. We had plenty of people show up, we had great questions from chat. You guys did awesome helping me out. It was almost like you guys were my co host uh, for Jordan. You guys did so good. Gotta be careful. Jordan's not gonna wanna come back. You guys gotta ease up a little bit, or he's gonna be like, no, I'm not coming back. All those people asking you questions were just good enough. So, we'll have Jordan back next week. Make sure you can check us out. You're uh, here, here on my Twitch YouTube channel. Uh, is the same. So it's forward slash Sir Lucian, all one word, L-U-C-I-E-N. You can find out all of the stuff that I have going on there. And you can also find all of Jordan's stuff at the J-O-R-P-H is silent, Dan, D-A-N, on his channel. And you can find out his YouTube stuff that he's doing. He's putting up videos. He's still playing the new Minera game, I believe. I don't know what his schedule was for next week, but I'm pretty sure he's still playing that um, I'm pretty sure he's still playing his Sunday game with his friends. They played on Saturday though, this last time I believe. And, um, cause they had Sunday, uh, Sunday was April fools, but we'll find out if he gets to play tomorrow. He might not because he's, he's out of town. Um, but we'll find out in next week what Jordan was up to. So I want to say thanks for everybody joining. Make sure you come back next time. Make sure you, uh, hit that subscribe and like on all those different videos. I know Jordan could always use more subscribers and likes. You can go to his Patreon if you want to support him, which I definitely encourage because he puts up a lot of good content for you guys. You can support me through Twitch here by subscribing or just following, and you can go to YouTube and hit that subscribe button. I really want to get my YouTube subscribe up too because I really think um, that we're we're in this point now with me and Jordan really pushing things up that this show is doing really good and we can really push it to the next level this year. So thanks for joining, guys. We will see you in the next one. Bye! Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.